travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, episode 55. This is Vietnamese cuisine with Bobby Chin. Vietnamese food is one of the world's great cuisines. As the country is open to tourism over the last couple decades, more and more travelers have gotten the opportunity to try the real thing in country. At the same time, Vietnamese restaurants have opened all over the world, with more and more people becoming fans of this fantastically diverse and tasty fare. Having its use of fresh vegetables, Vietnamese food can also be a healthy choice. Today we'll discuss Vietnamese cuisine, its place in the world, and growing popularity with celebrity chef Bobby Chin. I'm Scott Coates in Bangkok, and I'm recording as usual with my partner in another country. Yep. Hey, Scott. Trevor Ranges here, uh, recording from Bali. Yeah, we uh, just about do every episode with you and or I in a different place. Yeah, I mean, we've had a few in Bangkok. We had a good run, but you are now preparing to open a beer importing business there. So you are on, man, you're a long ways away. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, down here in Bali. It's really nice. I, I can't wait for you guys to come down and join us. Um, you know, it's interesting. We found a really good uh, Vietnamese restaurant near our place. Um, as you know, I don't know if all of our listeners know, I did my MBA with the University of Hawaii in Ho Chi Minh City. Right. And uh, when I was doing my MBA in Ho Chi Minh City, I rented a room from a Vietnamese-American guy who moved to Bali a number of years ago, and now I'm living in his house. Wow, that is a weird yeah. roundabout. So, yeah, and because he's a Vietnamese-American, um, I, I guess, you know, he likes Vietnamese food, also having lived in Vietnam. Um, so his friend has a Vietnamese restaurant nearby here, and we've eaten there a few times, and it's really good. I, I love Vietnamese food. Um, much like Thai food, uh, Vietnamese food is, is great because there's so much variety. You know, when, when I was in Vietnam doing my MBA, I would go out for lunch with Vietnamese people and we would go to like different restaurants all the time. And, and you'd almost see like a, a new 50 different things to order off that menu than the 50 things you had the day before or the 50 things that were on the menu the next day. Um, and it's just there's so much variety. Uh, there's so many different flavors. Um, it's great to eat family style with a group of people. So you can order 50 different dishes and, and, and sample little bits of them. Um, and it's just, uh, it's a great thing. And I'm glad I have a good Vietnamese restaurant near here in Boston. Yeah, man, that's awesome. You know, one weird thing I think is there's something about Bangkok is I don't think Bangkokians or Thais really like Vietnamese food very much because there's a couple restaurants, but that's just about it. And, you know, thinking about Vietnamese food, like I like it, but it's really weird. I've been quite a number of times and I can't beyond foot and... Like, I can't really name it too many dishes, and I realize I'm going there in a couple of weeks, and I really got to make a better effort to get to know it. And I, gee, probably 25 years ago, I was probably early 20s in Calgary, Canada, and someone introduced me to a, a little shop called Faux Pasture Saigon, and to this day, it's my favorite foot, and I assume it's pretty authentic, but it's great, and, you know, that's all I thought the food was, and then... You know, I got a chance to go to the country when I was, what, 21? And then you try all the different things. And I'm ignorant enough that I, I can't really tell you what they are. But, man, the 
the Vietnamese food, the experience, it is so fresh and there's so many like bean sprouts and lettuce and fresh vegetable rolls and shrimp. And it, it to me was a cuisine that when I had it in Canada and then I went to the country, it completely lived up to the taste, but somehow I may, must have had authentic food in Canada because I felt like it was very similarly taste. How about you? Like when was your first time having it outside of Vietnam? And then when did you first have it in Vietnam and how did they kind of compare I don't know, you know, I mean, uh, they have uh, Bale, it's called Bale, B-A-L-E, okay. uh, sandwich shops in Hawaii, and it's the banh mi, you know, like the Vietnamese baguette, uh, vegetable, grilled pork inside sandwiches, okay. um, and so th- that was kind of the extent of my Vietnamese food before coming to Southeast Asia. I hadn't eaten a lot of Vietnamese food, to be honest, um, and pho, obviously, I mean, everybody has pho. Um, but uh, yeah, when I got to Vietnam, again, it was just, it's really overwhelming, the variety. And uh, if you're new to Asia and you're not used to eating street food, you know, like it can be a little intimidating. Yeah. Um, but I, I was lucky in that I had Vietnamese classmates and I went out with them every day and I could just let them order and then just try everything and, and find the things that you like. Um, the drawback to that was just I didn't always know the names of everything and uh, it was hard for me to follow up an order but I just remember the shops that I liked and I'd go back there and and you know again the food's relatively inexpensive um, and again yeah everything's super fresh right there's lots of fresh vegetables which I enjoy um, and it's really healthy so I I like that there's also that chain which is I think a good for introductory uh, to to Vietnamese food called Ngon remember we went to the Ngon together in Cambodia I believe Ngon means delicious in Vietnamese Mm. but the cool thing I liked about Ngon was that like they have uh, it's kind of like street food inside of a restaurant so you could walk around and see what they were preparing Mm. and for for new people to like get to see oh you know that looks interesting that looks nice you know it's cooler to order food by like looking at it than just looking at a picture in a menu right 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 well you know I should take this trip coming up in two weeks as a real opportunity to actually get to know the food because I realize I'm very comfortable with Thai street food. Somehow it seems just a little easier and cleaner. And when I've been in Vietnam, maybe just because it's a foreign country to me still, despite having been there many times, is I'm not really sure what to eat or what to try. So I think I'm a little apprehensive about it, but I should really get a bit more adventurous. Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, again, there's there's so much variety. I guess it it could be sort of overwhelming you know it's too bad like I I wish I knew where all my business cards were from Vietnam somewhere with my MBA stuff I have a a stack of business cards from all the restaurants that I liked Mm -hmm. and I wish I could hand those off to you you know before you went um, but again, like we both eaten at Bobby Chin's place uh, at both his restaurants in in Ho Chi Minh and in Hanoi and uh, you know it's just there, there's so much good food there. You just got to roll the dice and get out there and start eating everything you can until you find the things you like. And then maybe, you know, keep that business card and write the name of the dish down on that card that you liked so that you can go back to that place and try it again. Yeah, well, enough of two guys that don't know what the heck they're talking about talking about this. Let's let's bring in our guest. Our guest is Bobby Chin. He's one of the best-known chefs and ambassadors of Vietnamese cuisine on Earth. He's hosted television shows about food, Vietnamese cuisine, and travel. He rubs shoulders with celebrities, has cooked for world leaders, and he's had restaurants in Vietnam and in London. And today he joins us via Skype from London. So, Bobby... I mean, you're an interesting mix of Egyptian and Chinese, and I saw that you were born in New Zealand. You've grown up around the world. Can you give us a kind of quick background and how you even ended up in Vietnam to begin with? Well, I uh, got a BA in finance and economics out of London, 
and um, right. the natural thing was to go into finance. And I worked as a research analyst in Boca Raton, Florida, um, which was, I guess, one of the fastest growing states in the United States at that time. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't really like writing papers after college. Uh, so I okay. opted for um, something a little bit more exciting and fun, which would be on the West Coast working for a hedge fund, which was on the buy side of the industry. But the hours were mm -hmm. really terrible. You know, you had to get up at like four in the morning, you know, so you can get out of bed by five to make it to the office by six. But Ooh. your day was finished by, by, by one. Um, but that, you know, it was, it was great, except there's no social life for me. Um, and so I went to New York, and basically I've done all these different jobs in finance and just didn't really enjoy the work or didn't enjoy the environment or didn't enjoy something about it. I didn't enjoy really, wasn't really money-driven. So it became a, a quest to find out what I wanted to do. Okay. And that quest led me from, it was more like an algebraic equation where it was a source of elimination. Didn't know what I wanted, but I knew what I didn't want. And the way I could find that out was by actually doing it. And so I did um, stand-up comedy. I was in, you know, studying in L.A. With, at the Groundlings. I was working as a waiter. And eventually, I didn't know anything about food. I mean, I ate at great restaurants all the time, but I really didn't know. I didn't really know the difference between stocks and, and, and consommes or what makes a sauce and, you know, technical stuff. And um, you need to know that stuff as a waiter. And I volunteered my time in the kitchen. And I was doing stand-up comedy and working as a waiter. And my father walks in and says, so what? You're a stand-up comic waiter? You know, excuse the cliche. You know, you're a shitty waiter and you're, 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 you're not funny. And um, your education is far too expensive to think that you're a funny waiter. You're blowing it, kid. <laughs> you know, Vietnam is the future. My dad being kind of like Chinese and a businessman, you know, you kind of like, you know, it's just like watching a rat smell cheese. You know, he, he just, he just, he just knew, he knew what he was talking about. Yeah. And he's like, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. You got to come and see this now. I've seen it all before. This is one of the greatest opportunities of a lifetime, you know? And so I went to Vietnam and, you know, I was like, all I knew about the country was a war. I didn't know anything about the people, the history, nothing. It was just, and I discovered these ridiculously friendly, kind, generous, young, happy people. They don't have a, tr you know, don't seem to have a problem in the world. Um, I love their food. Um, I love their lifestyle. Um, and, and I figured that I could be a chef there. I figured I could go open a restaurant and, um, and, uh, if this was going to be the place, there was no, pl there was no one that would come from this type of background. You know I mean? Like I wouldn't imagine a chef would want to go work in a really difficult environment that worked in a really great restaurant. Right. So I just, I just knew what I needed to do. I needed to go work in a great restaurant as a chef, learn as much as possible, and I'd go back there, and it was a great place to fail. If I failed, no one knew who I was. I can go back, you know, like, oh, I was successful in Vietnam. You know? <laughs> um, but so that was, that was the whole motivation, and it was about, you know, I figured that Vietnamese food would be the new food. Um, I figured that, it, that, that, you know, what it was to me as, as a person understanding food, it was ridiculously it seemed ridiculously technical, um, but it possessed all of the attributes of what makes a cuisine great. And this, to me, was a modern cuisine perfected thousands of years ago with contrasting colors, textures, temperatures, um, and, and it was healthy, it was gluten-free, it was low-fat, it was easy to make, and it was tasty. Mm, cool. And all of a sudden, my culinary heroes were wearing, you know, cooking in their pajamas, making the most ridiculous food on street corners all over the country. <laughs> and I just wanted to go there and, 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 and learn about it and, and, and then go back. But I ended up never leaving, I mean, until recently, of course. And how, how many years ago was that that you sort of moved there and set up shop, so to speak? 
Um, I think I first went in 1993 and then 94 and then set up shop where I worked for other people in 95, 96. Um, and yeah, so about 20 years. Wow. You, know, you covered a couple of bases for us there when uh, you were talking about why you fell in love with Vietnamese cuisine or, or how it's unique compared to other cuisines. But you've been there for so long and, and the country has evolved so much. Um, have you seen the cuisine also evolve in that time that you've been there? Yeah, you'd kind of like see these new dishes that you're like, what the hell's that? When did, when did they come up with this one? I mean, it wasn't, when did that happen? Um, all of a sudden, a person's got margarine. You don't use margarine. Where would you get the margarine from, right? Why are you sauteing corn? And you didn't have that corn before. You had like, before, if you used a food processor on the corn they had, it was like maize. I mean, you'd burn your, your, your food processor because it just turned into like glue, right? It wasn't like the sweet American corn. Next minute, they got sweet American corn. They got margarine. They're sautéing it. They're throwing in some 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 chives, some some scallions, uh, tossed in with a little bit of dried shrimp, and the woman's walking around the street with this. I saw a person making um, what I would only assume would be like a Vietnamese pizza on rice paper. So I got rice paper on a grill, and then a person takes an egg and then smashes the egg on top of it, and then mixes it on top of this rice paper, and then throws like a dried uh, shredded pork. I was like, that looks like a pizza to me. You know, I was like, you know, he cuts it and, and they serve it out like that. As far as the most um, iconic recent dish, which is in the last, I'd say about 15, 16 years, was Pho Quân, which was only found in one neighborhood, um, which is in Chukbak, which is the lake in which uh, John McCain was shot down in. And, um, right. they, you know, all of a sudden, the whole, I live in this neighborhood and I was like, this is fantastic. It's like, you know, you get all the various types of dishes on, on a corner block. And then the, eventually it all morphed into the one type of dish, which was Fokuan. And it was invented hmm. um, because it was too hot during the day to eat pho. And somebody wanted something a little chilled. They wanted a little nibble, something nibble on. So you got these chilled rectangular rice noodles. Um, which well, it's just like a, it's like a sheet. It's a rectangular sheet, and then they take garlic and they throw that in. They 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 throw in some some stir fried beef. They stir fry it in together, and then they dump it into um, uh, this this rice noodle, and they throw some herbs in there and they roll them like cigars. Boom, one after the other, and you get a plate five or six of them for wow. nothing. And then the whole neighborhood changed that one dish. And I was like, why would you do that dish? You had such an incredible dish before you know you had, they had incredible bank run i was like because everyone comes here to eat this one dish because the only place we can get that one dish hmm. i mean you've been serving up food now vietnamese food to people all around the world and promoting it for a while what do you think is the biggest misconception that foreigners have about vietnamese food before they've really been there and had the real thing well i think that a lot of people that discovered vietnamese food you know, obviously outside of Vietnam, they discovered it from the from the hands of a uh, southerner. So okay. the, a lot of the cuisine is coming from the south. You get some people on the coast. Everyone that fled the country went back and they said, "Okay, we're going to create our own cuisine, right? We're going to we're going to introduce our cuisine, not to anybody else, but just for themselves, 
right? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you're here in London, you know, because there's no, 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 you know, refugees came to London. You know, it was probably too cold and they had no correlation to the damn place, right? They went to France, right. they went to Australia, they went to America. There was some of Czechoslovakian stuff, but, um, and so the flavors of, of the South is totally different from the North. It's like no, Northern and Southern Indian food or Northern and Southern Thai food. It just changes. So the flavors in the North are much more subtle much more harder to achieve as a chef. Hmm. And then so people come with this idea that this is Vietnamese food, like, oh, your food's bland. You're like, you try making it like this. This is, this is so much more difficult to try and get this. You have to think about the pho. You think about what makes that pho taste so uniquely different from chicken soup anywhere else. When it's done right, when it's done, in my opinion, really in the most subtle manner where it was the birthplace of it, it's subtle. You know, you have to tell them it has a little cinnamon. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, and star anise and black cardamom, and it's seasoned with fish sauce. And so you have, and then there's the underlying haunting, I don't know if you can call it a flavor. It is a flavor, but it's so subtle, is the sweetness of charred shallots with uh, charred ginger, which is something that mm. is so unique that you're like, what is that? And you don't know, and you can't detect it. And, and, and to me, when it's really great subtlety like that, that's great. That's hard to get to. You know what wow. I'm saying? Wow, so a whole north-south thing going on in Vietnam. Didn't even know that. That's cool. Sure. And, you know, like I've always found that, because I, I do spend quite a bit of time in, in Vietnam, um, the food in, in the country where the cuisine comes from is, is, is always better than the food you get elsewhere. Um, I'm currently living in Bali. Um, I have yet to find good Thai food here. Um, and, and whenever I go back to Thailand, I'm so happy to eat real Thai food. Um, nonetheless, both like Thai food and Vietnamese food are very popular all around the world. So why do you think Vietnamese food has really resonated with global audiences? Even if it's not exactly authentic, like nonetheless, People really love Vietnamese food. What, what do you ascribe to that? Because it's a shock in the palate. It's 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 like, for example, you know, you go work in a great French restaurant, and the the chef wants you to make perfect concasse and perfect bunoise and perfect you know cuts of herbs. And when you take a bite, it tastes like this. Boom! It's, and you taste whatever it is. The Vietnamese don't give a shit. The Vietnamese go like, okay, well, how much? you put in how much how much cilantro how much they just they just throw it in there so you taste a bite of something it's boom it could be dill it could be shizo or perilla leaves it could be mint so it doesn't have to have the same flavor in each bite so it's shock it's a shock to the palate it's 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 like the, those textures the umami the sweet and sour of a, a great dipping sauce like say nook cham which is the the uh, fish sauce, um, uh, lime juice, water, uh, and then it can have the garlic, it can have the chili. The, all that is like, why haven't I tasted that before? And the problem for the Vietnamese was was that they've had this embargo on their country, on this country for 25, 30 years, and it was a, it was a cultural you know embargo. So people didn't understand the food. The only thing you can understand is if you went to a Vietnamese restaurant. And then people didn't do that. You know, it's like when I went to Vietnam the first time, I was welcomed. When I came back from Vietnam to America, why the hell would you go there for? I was like, I want to see what the fuss was all about. Yeah. You know, why wouldn't I go? And there was more kind of like hostility to them. We, we went over there and bombed the shit out of their country for decades. 
And we're the ones with the problem. I was like, no, it's like, it's just like, I just didn't get it. So when people go there, they're like, what? Why didn't I know about this? Why? Vegetable noodles, you know? I mean, uh, uh, just like, a, a, just a carrot noodle, you know, a cucumber noodle, you know, those types of salads, a green papaya, you know, or uh, a mango. I mean, those things of sweet, sour, and healthy, fresh, and contrasting textures and temperatures in the mouth is to most people, wow. And that's the type of food that it is. And, and it's like, okay, like if you take just like, say, the baguette, the bang mi sandwich is one of the most popular sandwiches. I mean, Subway's has introduced it to, to, mm. to, to, their, to their franchises. Oh, wow. I was like, what makes it great? I was like, well, they took a French idea and they made it Vietnamese. It's like they took the pate and they seasoned it with five spice, which is kind of like has a sweetening agent to it. And then they season it instead of with salt with fish sauce, which gives it the umami. But that wouldn't be enough for a Vietnamese person. They turn around and say, okay, we'll do like, you know, a pork shoulder, a pork belly, a braise and caramel, whatever it is, or a meatball with those ingredients that are, are you know, are indigenous to them. And then top it with this pickling of sweet and sour uh, uh, um, uh, uh, carrots and, um, and cucumbers with chili and, and, and fresh herbs. So he tastes his sandwich. It's like, Am I having a sandwich or a salad in a sandwich? When you talk about great dishes like ramen, I was like, wait a sec. Pho is just outrageous. It's so brilliant. I was like, people love that. So the Vietnamese, are, their, 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 their culinary identity, if you say, what is it? It's like, well, they make salads really good, but it doesn't have to actually have salad. It can be like not art salads, like leafy salads. They can have banana blossom salad. Right, um, so you got the salad department. You've got grilled. They're phenomenal at grilling. They can make stuff moist in the middle and crispy on the exterior and smoky, and then serve that with chilled noodles with that sauce once again. So the sauce has become a very integral part and very important part of any type of dish. Right? Then they got the one dish wonders. So when a person goes to say, okay, what do you guys do? They do it all, and they do it whereby they make it seem simple and it is simple and we're only discovering it because of the uh, because of this embargo wow bobby you're making me seriously hungry i'm going to vietnam in a couple of weeks <laughs> well look shifting gears a little bit from food um you know beer and freshly made beer has had you know a rich history in vietnam and then the last few times we've been there craft beer is kicking off and lots of people are making beer so do you think there's any kind of connection between Vietnamese's love for freshly made beer and homemade food? Like, do the two naturally kind of go together? Yeah. I look, you know what? I mean, like, when, when we talked, we started off, I was like, look, you know, why Vietnam? I was like, well, you know, I was like, look, I was for the food. But then I fell in love with the people. <laughs> and the people and the culture, yeah. to me, I was like, I identify. I identify with any culture where a person walks down the street hitting two sticks or a stone and you hear that sound, like, what the hell is that? Says, That's a guy that will deliver you your pho, right? Pho upon delivery, I dig a country like that. I like a country that has a, <laughs> yeah. which is a coffee culture. They've been doing coffee forever. So they sit around and they got, people always say, you know, gee, the Vietnamese coffee is really strong. I'm like, no, it's not. It's coffee. Coffee is coffee. What they do is they put like, yeah. you know, five cups to your one cup and they and it's a drip coffee. So when you taste it, you do the chicken walk walking out of the place, right? Because it's just rich in caffeine and they've got the sugar and they don't mind being patient. And you sit and you talk for 10, 15 minutes before you get to touch your coffee. 
right? So it's a coffee drinking society. It's a beer drinking society. Mm -hmm. So the people sit there and they can drink all this beer for nothing. So I mean, it's like, oh, it's a light beer, but you know, it's kind of easy going. Um, when you talk about it's 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 when you talk about the food, about the freshness, you know, freshness. I'm not. I believe in the freshness part, but. I'm not so convinced it's only about the freshness part. It's like you don't have refrigeration in those old days, right? So it wasn't like you right, go right. buy food in the morning for dinner. You're going to make dinner fresh, and that's what Vietnamese food – Vietnamese food is literally a modern, healthy, fast food that can be made al pronto, quickly, you know? So I, it's, it's in everything they do. I'm not sure if I answered that. Sorry, I'm jet-lagged. I'm no, I mean – Blame it on jet -lagged. You know, it's – that's good. I think it's interesting, again, that you brought up the coffee thing, because uh, I think, you know, most people in North America, let's say, when they think of coffee, would think of Colombia or, or something like that, right? Um, and, and I think, I, th I believe Vietnam is the world's largest producer of coffee. Yeah, they I took the price. Correct. When they found there was money in coffee, they went in, they did coffee, and then boom. You know, it's like the price the, the, the price dropped. They're, they're growing a lot of Robusta. They're now doing um, uh, Arabica. Um, another thing that most people don't know is Vietnamese have actually some of the best chocolate in the world. I think that an example would be Maru chocolate, which is um, the French introduced in the... In the um, in the in the late 1900s, um, or early 1900s, um, and um, they didn't they didn't do anything with it, and obviously they do everything you know the, the, the traditional way. But you know they're eating the chocolate as fruit. You know they, the seeds are probably thrown away, which is the chocolate. But the fruit itself tastes like mango stain. Um, so you know it's it's, it's like this that, that type of discovery that you know I mean like I've been there for 20 years, and I walk away just dumbfounded and ignorant to so much. I just had to always find my, my information from really, you know, from intellects, from people that were writing their dissertation papers on, on stuff like this, because the information wasn't there. You know, when you're fighting wars for a thousand years, nobody was sitting there, you know, looking for the, writing the cookbook, cooking for two, you know, it was, it wasn't out there, you know, you're, it was, you're too busy doing your thing, you know? Mm. So, uh, you know, it's really cool. Like I have eaten at your restaurant, um, it's really interesting, I think, how you got involved in that. Um, and, and now you're in London. I'm not sure exactly what you're doing over there. But, uh, you know, before we started recording, we, we asked you about what you're up to. And you said that you just finished wrapping up uh, Top Chef Middle East. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that project and what you've been up to and then uh, maybe what you're doing right now? I kind of, I kind of decided to take a time out, you know, where I had restaurants Saigon, Hanoi. I've done the TV shows with Discovery Asia. Um, I did the cookbook. Um, I opened a restaurant in London, and you know, this was all part of like the Western system. You do one, then you got to do the next one. You got to, you got to move forward. You got to write the book. Got to sell the frying pan. Got, and you keep on doing with all that stuff. And I was like, whoa, I'm, <laughs> I'm tired. You know, I want to enjoy my life. So I decided to take a time out. And in that time out, I got out of the restaurants. I got out of London. I stopped doing my TV shows. And I'm like, you know, time out for me. I want to enjoy a little bit while I've still got my health and I'm feeling good and everything. And on my break, literally two months into it, I get a business proposition in the Middle East. And so it was Top Chef Middle East. And I was like, I never really want to judge anybody, but... Um, I figured this is a great opportunity to go to the Middle East and work in the Middle East. So, you know, I went to Cairo and spent five months practicing my Arabic because the whole thing shot in Arabic. Oh, wow. And so I did, 
Yeah, it's um, it's it's tricky because I, I speak colloquial Egyptian Arabic, which is understood throughout the region, and everyone else speaks their own dialect. So it's like chicken talking to a duck, you know. It's like uh, it, it might look good to everybody else, but I got no idea what's going on sometimes. Um, so uh, I did. I'm doing that, and then um, I've been thinking about television because you know it's very difficult to do both. I don't know how any of these guys do both, but I think that in the West, there's infrastructure for that celebrity chef, you know, and there's people that want to, you know, they, 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 there's people that can manage that. There's people that, you know, that, that do this for chefs and, and there's chefs that want to work for other chefs that want to roll out stuff. And, and they're very successful at that. And that wasn't me. I mean, I went to Vietnam just, you know, as, as a passionate guy that wanted to, that found passion cooking. And, 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 and so I didn't really feel I could do that. So now I'm in the stage of like, what do I want to do? You know, and it's like, okay, well, if I were to do television, which would those, what would those shows look like? So I'm talking to people about doing, you know, different types of shows that allows me to continue to travel, um, uh, and and educate myself on my on my values. And the same thing, my same values have to be in place in a restaurant. You know, so those core brand values that I've discovered that I have when people start, you know, saying, "Dude, you're a brand." You know, you've got this. I was like, I don't know what that is. I didn't really study marketing in college, so, um, <laughs> but I get it now. You know, I was like, okay, these these are things that I feel very strongly about in all of my restaurants. I mean, if you've been to any of my restaurants, they got to be fun. Yeah. If they're not fun, then I don't really want to be there. And I don't like seriousness. I don't like pretentious waitstaff. And you know, just tell me what it is. Give me, you know, and 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 then we'll do the best. You know, I, I like to do the best I can. I like to exceed people's expectation. I care. So if you've been to any of my restaurants, once again, all my restaurants are acoustic. You know, I don't like to hear the noise of other people. And I want I want surround sound. I want great art. I want. I want people to be happy. I want people to be motivated like Americans. You know, like American waiters, as an example, I consider them the best waiters because they're making a living kissing ass for 15% of the, of, of the check, mm. right? They'll do anything what you want. That they, they, that's, that's their job, right? Um, and to do that to a communist country, I mean, that's what I did in Vietnam, you know, so I was able to, to bring that in. And those are the types of things that I would like to do in a restaurant. So I've got like the restaurant ideas, I've got the, the TV ideas, and in the meantime... I'm traveling, you know, um, doing events. I was just in Thailand doing um, the World Gourmet Festival. I'm off to Hawaii to do the Food and Wine Festival. Um, and that's kind of like my outlet. That's kind of like keeping me on my toes um, to be able to cook and to articulate what I'm doing, you know. Well, let me just, you know, add one note. You were talking about fun, Bobby. And I, I've mentioned this to you before is one of the best restaurant memories I have. It's quite a number of years ago now. It was in Hanoi at your restaurant there. And for $5 on the menu was if you pay $5, the waiters and waitresses will tell you how good looking you look all night. And me and my mom both bought it. And I, to this day, we talk about it, man. It was such a unique thing, but such a fun touch. Awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah. That was to prevent people from, just, from <laughs> taking my menu. <laughs> Yeah, well, look, I, I really appreciate you making time. I know you're in London and you were in Bangkok a few weeks ago and now you're bouncing off to Paris. Thanks so much, Bobby. Really appreciate your time. Travel safe. Hey, Scott, that was a pretty interesting conversation. He's a very energetic um, and interesting fellow. Yeah, he sure is. I mean, you ask a question and it gets answered and then you get all this other information. And I just found myself at the end of every question and his answer just being extremely hungry like his description is fantastic and i think he's it's not an act he is legitimately super super passionate about vietnamese food yeah absolutely uh you can definitely tell that and it's an interesting story how he got involved in it um but he certainly run with it 
Yeah, I mean, big time. It's funny that you and I have both eaten at his restaurants. Unfortunately, With our parents, restaurants. I, I went there yeah. when my parents visited Hanoi. Oh, really? Yeah, it was such a great experience. And unfortunately, it's not open anymore. And, you know, I think part of that is that you can be a great chef and restaurateur, but there's a business side and different things happen. But he always seems to have something interesting happening. And in fact, last week he was here in Bangkok at uh, the former Four Seasons, the new Anantara, doing like a celebrity chef thing. So, I mean, the guy knows his stuff and I can't wait to eat his food again. But, I mean, I loved how he just is just so darn passionate about it because you don't often meet people who are super passionate, but also I really appreciated that he just took a break. I mean, he kind of mentioned that, you know, there's celebrity chefs that have people helping them out doing the frying pans and all that. And he just sort of said, Whoa, I got to take a break and step away from that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, um, at the same time though, he, he still seems very passionate about Vietnamese food and, uh, and, and the Vietnamese people, the culture, you know, he was talking about coffee and beer and, uh, you know, all of it's true for sure. Um, but it, it's really interesting to hear it from someone who, you know, loves it all so much. Yeah. And I mean, I think this guy's got to write an autobiography because it's it, it's a movie. I mean, I don't know a ton about him, but I mean, the guy was born in New Zealand. He was educated in the U.S. and in England. He worked on the stock market and in America. Then he was, you know, he studied improv comedy. And I mean, then he became a chef in Vietnam. I mean, and now he's a TV host like this is a movie waiting to happen. I'm joking. Yeah, no, super interesting guy, and it, and it sounds cool that he's uh, continuing to push the envelope and do uh, new and different things. Um, yeah, so I guess uh, for those of you listening, uh, you know, we encourage you to, to go to Vietnam if you get a chance to, to eat alone. You know, I mean, uh, like I was saying earlier, I think that the best food really is in country. You know, like uh, Thai food's not the same except for in Thailand. Vietnamese food certainly isn't the same except for in Vietnam. Um, and that's one of the beauties of traveling, don't you think, is getting to, to experience. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a few countries like, you know, like Italy, India, Thailand, Vietnam, mm. where like just going for the food alone is enough reason to travel. And you know what? I mean, Bobby nailed it. I can't add any more to this. So uh, why don't you walk us out of this episode, Trevor? Yeah, uh, thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, that was episode 55, Vietnamese Cuisine with Bobby Chin. Uh, join us again in two weeks, and uh, Scott and I will be back at you with a brand new episode. Um, until then, uh, I hope you're all well. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall in Khor Tham and Camp